that time of the month where we do our Blu-ray, 4K, all that physical disc type stuff that we do. And my good friend Paige Schechter is joining us again. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us. I enjoy uh, bantering it up with you when it comes to <laughs> the physical media releases and uh, you're knowledgeable about this stuff. And so I am, uh, I, I'm always glad to have you on. Well, thank were. you. I'm happy to be here. Yes. So we've got a lot. Well, January was a little bit of a slower month, uh, although there are some some interesting titles. But I do feel like 2023 was maybe the I mean, it was just an avalanche of releases last year, just all kinds of stuff getting issued that I never thought I would see on physical media in a high definition format. Uh, of course, we've seen a few this year. There's uh, the announcements of Little Darlings, of course, coming up uh, in February. And uh, King Kong uh, is getting a 4K Yay! from Paramount. Yeah, the 1976 King Kong actually getting a 4K release before the 1933 film gets its release. So, um, yeah, that's uh, – but I, what I'm hearing, though, is there are going to be no extras on that. I don't know about the television cut. It is going to be included. I don't know if it's going to be in the 4K format or not. That would be nice to have a 4K uh, master of the television cut, but we'll see. Yeah, that's definitely the biggest question on the mind of the King Kong fans. Do we get the TV cut? Yeah, that's true. And, uh, you know, my good friend Ray Morton was the uh, commentator on the uh, – the previous release from Scream Factory and, and Ray's a good friend. And uh, so what I'm hearing from his side of the fence is that it uh, doesn't look like we're going to be getting any new extras. They just don't want to. But I don't know. The budgets aren't there for, uh, you know, um, extra material, bonus materials like they, they used to have a whole, you know, certain amounts of money they would set aside for bonus materials, uh, you know, 15, 20 years ago. And that's just... You know, it's it's just a thing of the past, especially with retailers like Best Buy getting out of the disc game. And so I think that's that's really sad that we don't have. I wish that someone had done a comprehensive uh, King Kong documentary back in those days when they had the budgets to do that. And we still had John Gillerman alive and uh, some other folks that were uh, Richard Klein, who photographed the film, uh, was still around. It would have been great to have their insights uh, in a uh, feature-length 90-minute documentary, like, you know, because there's some really, there were some great documentaries around that time, like The, the Close Encounters. I know you're very familiar with that one, the Lawrence Bootsero. <laughs> Slightly, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Lawrence, yeah, Lawrence Bootsero did some really good stuff with those Spielberg documentaries, and I wish around that time we had been able to get a, a King Kong documentary. But I'm getting way off topic, as I normally do. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, so... But anyway, uh, having said that, 2023 was a little bit of a, you know, it was a, an embarrassment of riches, but things have slowed down a little bit, but there's still some interesting titles, and we'll just jump right into it. And right. I'll, uh, I can't, uh, and of course, we can always promote your Facebook page, uh, Sibling Cinema, if you want to tell us a little bit for anybody who just may be listening uh, to you for the first time on one of my uh, oh. shows. So yeah. Okay, sure. Um, my sister and I created this I guess, social media presence called Sibling Cinema, and we're on Facebook and Twitter, X, whatever you call it, Instagram and threads. And 
you know, we love movies and we love television, so we do this thing called 10-word reviews because who has the time to sit down and do a full-length review of every single thing we watch? So we created 10-word reviews that we do and that we encourage everybody coming on to do. And Or you could just enjoy, like, comment, disagree. You know, we have fun with all the people who come on and talk with us. Including yourself, Adam. Yes, occasionally I do chime in. Yes, and uh, I, I I do more reading of your because I I find them very amusing, and I love uh, what you guys do over there. And so it's always interesting to hear your your uh, abbreviated takes on these films that <laughs> get to yeah, the point. I, it, well, it's fun. What we do, you know, it's not a standard cookie cutter kind of review thing it could be descriptive or insightful sure. or humorous or just focus on one tiny detail of the film we'll we'll just go anywhere with it which makes it all the more fun yes it does it's, it's a lot of fun and i like i said i really enjoy uh, seeing i'm always amused uh, when i <laughs> well, thank what you. you guys are doing so uh and, yeah yeah I, I brought along some for the releases that some of the releases will be covering maybe not as much as the previous times i've been on but i have some choice ones including maybe a couple debuts that haven't yet been on sibling cinema yeah and you've been prone to uh make up uh ones on the spot as we're <laughs> doing our you have been you have that talent you know you're multi-talented so uh, and you're able to do that. So yeah, uh, and we'll uh, we'll see as we make our way through these things. Uh, that just might just might happen. Maybe you never know. You never know. <laughs> yep. Well, I guess we can jump right into it. And this first title is one that you can. Uh, everybody knows. I think uh, listening to the show is pretty familiar with my take on this film and how much I loved it. The Holdovers was released on January second on Blu-ray by Universal. Uh, they, people, people are probably uh, tired of hearing me beating the drum for this film. So let's hear your take on it. No, I, I can't have a take on it today. I'm actually seeing it today. Oh, after, really? Okay, okay, after that's the fine. Podcast. So, but I know, I know your feelings on it, and I know a lot of people who just said, you know, best film of 2023. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, it, it 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 really hit my sweet spot. More so than Barbie or Oppenheimer. I, not that I hated those films. I just was underwhelmed compared to what the Holdovers delivered to, to me. But I, I am an Alexander Payne uh, kind of guy, uh, the director of the film. I really respond to his... There's a, there's a sense of melancholy that uh, is, is there. Uh, it's like an undercurrent of melancholy in all of his work. And, and it's, it's very... Um, uh, similar it's it, it's um uh, what's the word i'm thumpering here uh, it, it reminds reminiscent? us yeah reminiscent maybe but you know it's it's uh the early 70s it just it's um, uh you know yeah, your us. sweet spot my sweet spot 70s yeah character driven stuff and uh i knew when he burst onto the scene with citizen ruth in 1996 this is a guy who i'm going to be watching and he is Never disappointed. Now, I will say, downsizing his uh, film from a couple of years back that took a critical drubbing, uh, I don't think it's a terrible film, but it's definitely a flawed film and, and certainly the least of his work uh, to date. But there's still some interesting stuff going on there. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, there's always something 
that's the great thing about his work and why I'm excited about seeing it. And like you said, Citizen Ruth, when that came on, that was like such a breath of fresh air. And, and all of his films are, including Downsizing, which, you know, may not have been perfect, but also it's a watchable movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, he... he um... And he surrounds himself with some collaborators that he returns to, like his editor, Kevin Tent, and his uh, cinematographer. Of course, he's got a different cinematographer this go-round, but Feed and Papa Michael he's used quite a few times. Uh, but Kevin Tent, his collaboration with him is very... I was reading a book of interviews with Alexander Payne, and he was talking about even from their first film together, when they did Citizen Ruth, he said uh, that his editor would suggest things, and, and he would put them in there. Uh, like I don't know if you remember in Citizen Ruth, there's a there's uh, the scene where Laura Dern is in bed and she's all these thoughts are swirling around in her head and mm -hmm. it's just randomly out of nowhere you hear this voice that's uh, from um, uh, uh, oh, oh, uh, the the actor from RoboCop that's in the film I'm I'm friends with him on Facebook and I'm <laughs> the the villain <laughs> he's that '70s show the the um, uh, Kurt Kurtwood Smith. Kurtwood Smith, yes. I'm just I don't know a senior moment there. But anyway, she um, <laughs> earlier in the movie, Kurtwood Smith had said something. He would uh, he was at work or something, and somebody was out, and she's just randomly. They you, you can hear all these voices, and then suddenly out of nowhere, you hear, "You get the carts." <laughs> Oh, yes. Uh, I forgot about that. Now I want to watch Citizen Ruth again. Oh, yeah. And he said that was, a, that was a suggestion from his editor. Like, she just has all these different thoughts of things that have happened to her and just out of nowhere. He's uh, something about, uh, Jim's out today. You get the carts. <laughs> and I thought, that's just so brilliant. That's so, yes. so funny. But yes. um, anyway, uh, that was a long way to get to the punchline of that story. And I apologize, everybody, for that. Uh, but I'm prone to be long-winded sometimes. So anyway, <laughs> well, anyway, so what we'll do here is we'll just. There's always so many Kino Lorber titles, and instead of going through uh, the Kino Lorber chronologically, uh, oh, and I should go back and talk a little bit about. I'm sorry, I'm getting way ahead of myself because I do want to talk about the holdovers. I, obviously, I loved it. Uh, this Blu-ray just has a couple of featurettes uh, from Universal. Nothing, uh, you know. It's kind of like electric electronic press kit type stuff uh, that they're doing these days. So no, nothing, I mean, it's not bad, but, you know, it's it's just not a, uh, don't look for a lot of bonus material. Uh, no 4K release stateside. There is a UK 4K release that's coming, that's been announced. But in America, nope, no, no announcement uh, yet. So we'll see if that eventually happens. But I'm not so sure. I wouldn't hold my breath uh, about that. And it's uh, really maddening because Universal has this uh, habit of releasing newer films on Blu-ray and then going back uh, a couple of months later after they've seen how the Blu-ray did, then they'll go back and do the 4K. Oh. Yeah, that's what it is. So they're holding. They're gonna. They're gonna hold over. And uh, <laughs> I was wondering if it would have something to do with it going to Criterion Collection. Well, it could be. Yeah, that's a possibility. Uh, that that has happened. There have been a couple instances where that did happen. But uh, now, last year, like Megan, the uh, horror film that was a huge hit in January of last year, they initially that was a, just a Blu-ray only, and then I think April or May, uh, or no, I'm sorry, about to maybe summertime. Sometime in the summer, they released a 4K several months after the Blu-ray release. So 
that was one of those instances that I'm talking about that Universal is prone to do. So, mm-hmm. you know, and you don't want to tell people not to buy it because, you know, if you buy it, you're obviously supporting physical media. And uh, the more sales, then they'll, the more likely they are to put the 4K out. But then again, it's like, well, do we have to go buy it twice? And it's, <laughs> it's yeah. a tricky area. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, but anyway, so we'll go on, though, and uh, get through these Kino titles uh, because there's quite a few of them, as usual. Odds Against Tomorrow from 1959, directed by Robert Wise. Of course, this was before he started doing the musical thing with West Side Story and Sound of Music. and uh, <laughs> But he was a multifaceted director, and this is uh, basically a, a, a noir uh, film that uh, stars uh, Harry Belafonte and Robert Ryan and Shelley Winters. And it's um, uh, you've got Robert Ryan as a, a bigoted ex-con, and he agrees to take part in a bank robbery with a former cop played by Ed Begley, senior, not junior. And uh, he hesitates when he finds out one of his partners is black because he happens to be a racist. And so there's all that tension there, racial tension. Oh. And uh, Anyway, Odds Against Tomorrow is a, it's a, it's a neat little thriller, uh, good transfer here. Uh, this is um, originally, I think, a United Artist or MGM production. I'm not, uh, I can't remember for sure. It was either, let's see, I think it was an MGM. Yeah, it's uh, MGM. So anyway, uh, you get an audio commentary with uh, film historian Alan K. Road and a post-screening Q&A with Harry Belafonte from 2009. Uh, believe, it or, believe it or not, this was done in Chicago. So this is a, and a post-screening Q&A with actress Kim Hamilton from La, in L.A. from 2007. Uh, so Odds Against Tomorrow, uh, film noir, The Dark Side of Cinema, that's uh, volume 16. Uh, they just keep pumping these out. These are, um, I think these are mostly universal titles that they've licensed uh, in a package deal. The Mystery of Marie Roger, Chicago Deadline, Iron Man. Uh, these all have new commentaries and theatrical trailers. Um, has anybody seen My Gal, which is directed by Douglas Sirk? And this is a, a musical comedy, which when you think about Douglas Sirk, you don't think musical comedy. You think of <laughs> <laughs> Written on the Wind or Imitation of Life or all these uh, glossy melodramas that were produced by Ross Hunter, as it were. And this is not uh, – some of them were produced by Ross Hunter, but not all of them. But uh, glossy melodrama was the name of the game for Douglas Sirk and, you know – uh, of course, famously uh, referenced in Pulp Fiction when they order the uh, when they consider ordering the Douglas Sirk steak in uh, <laughs> Jack Rabbit Slims. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I chuckled when I saw Pulp Fiction the first time because my my dad was a big fan of Douglas Sirk films and I knew who that was and so I laughed and I thought, well, somebody gets it. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, if you're looking for a musical comedy from Douglas Sirk. And this was um, a 1952 musical comedy, and it's got an interesting cast. Rock Hudson, uh, who teamed up with Cirque in quite a few of his films. But you also get uh, James Dean in a small part here. Oh! Yeah, very, very small. Uh, You know, uh, uncredited, actually. He's a soda fountain patron in the film. And it's in Technicolor, of course. Uh, You also get... um, Oh, such toe-tapping tunes of the 20s, including the tiger rag when the red, red, bo- red, red robin comes bob, bob, bobbing along, which is also in one of those uh, Warner Brothers cartoons. 
it ain't gonna rain no more and give me a little kiss and all that stuff so anyway and piper laurie the the recently deceased piper laurie we oh how we loved her and oh, yeah. she is uh in this as well so anyway has anybody seen my gal from 1952 and it gets a uh a new master a new, a new scan of the inner positive and a new commentary by here you go actress piper laurie and he, it's moderated by a friend of mine, uh, the film critic and historian Lee Gambin, uh, who has, uh, I've interviewed him several times, and he's a great guy. And uh, he's written quite a few film history books, and he does a lot of these audio commentaries. And I think he was really friendly with Piper Laurie. They had a really close personal relationship, uh, you know, just had developed a friendship over the years through his uh, appreciation of her work. So, and so he did... Uh, he moderates this commentary, and I think it was maybe one of the last things that she did. Uh, I think it was fairly recent, before she passed. Anyway, The Road to Hong Kong from 1962, uh, Bob Hope, Bing Crosby, Dorothy L'Amour, uh, who appeared in all of the other road films. I think this was the first one in 15 years, or maybe 10 years, I'm not sure. Uh, something. It had been a gap, let's put it that way. And there's a new commentary here by the filmmaker and historian Michael Schlesinger and uh, archivist historian Stan Teffel. Have you ever seen any of the road pictures, and are you a fan of them? I, I was just curious. Um, I can't specifically recall. I know I've seen some, but I can't really recall anything specific about them. Yeah, I'm kind of like that, too. They were always on, when I was growing up, they were in syndication, yeah. so they were yep. always, you know, Saturday afternoons, there's a road film with the uh, Hope and Crosby, and so I, but I never really paid diligent attention to them, and I should have, and I probably should go back and just start with the first one and make my way through them. It's it's a blind spot. I hate to say it, and this right. uh, this uh, road to Hong Kong has some really interesting uh, guest appearances by Peter Sellers, Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, Pat O'Brien, David Niven. I mean, that's pretty interesting in a uh, that, road film. So <laughs> that's a star-studded road film. <clears throat> yeah. So anyway, uh, The Hell with Heroes, 1968, uh, Joseph Sargent, the great director of Taking of Pelham 123 and MacArthur and many, many television films that we love uh, very much. Uh, he direct, This was one of his theatrical films starring Rod Taylor and Claudia Cardinale and Harry Gardino. It's a World War II, uh, you know, it's one of these dramas, that uh, action dramas uh, that takes place immediately following World War II. And, um, yes, this has a score by Quincy Jones, and uh, it's a new commentary by Steve Mitchell and um, Stephen J. Rubin. So, The Hell with Heroes. Uh, the Outside Man was an interesting film that I'd always wanted to see and never had the opportunity to see it because it was so hard to find. I think MGM released the DVD years ago, and it went out of print. And this is, if you're a, if you love the city of Los Angeles as much as I do... Uh, this is just a terrific time capsule into what Los Angeles looked like in 1972. It's a, a crime thriller directed by Jacques Deray, and it stars uh, Jean-Louis Tritignant, uh, Roy Scheider, and Margaret Angie Dickinson, Michael Constantine, uh, Jackie Earl Haley, John Hillerman, Alex Rocco, Talia Shire. This is an incredible cast. Uh, it's uh, basically Jean-Louis Tritignant is a hitman, and he... Uh, carries out his task and finds out that he was set up and Roy Scheider is now after him. Uh, and so he's being chased through Los Angeles by Roy Scheider and uh, Anne Margaret is 
the uh, his target's widow. I mean, not Anne Margaret. Uh, Angie Dickinson is his target's widow, and she's out to get him. And uh, Anne Margaret is uh, his contact who's supposed to help him uh, get back home safely. And um, anyway, it's just an interesting film, and uh, this made me laugh. Uh, there's a scene where, where he's being chased by Roy Scheider, and they pass by a uh, billboard, and it has a poster for The Other. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, so obviously this was filmed in early 1972, because The Other was released in May of 72, so uh, obviously early part of that year. And it's just, it's really, it gives you a sense of the gritty uh, uh, side of L.A., and uh, like I said, having been out there many times, I uh, just really appreciated it for uh, the um, the just the locations of nothing else. But it's it's a fairly good. Oh, Georgia Engel is in this as well from the Mary Mary Tyler Moore show. I forgot about that. Uh, she plays Jackie Earl Haley's mother in this film. <laughs> I like that combo. Yeah, that is. So the Outside Man, I would recommend. Uh, it's been getting a, a you know some negative reviews in terms of the quality because the color has been. Uh, uh, retrograded to a, a green tinge from the original DVD. I didn't have a problem with it. Uh, it has two cuts of the film, uncut version uh, and the um, the French version. Uh, so there's the English and the French version on two separate discs. And uh, the only problem that I do have is that the, uh, the song, The Outside Man, that used to play over the opening credits, um, is no longer in this version. Uh, it has been omitted. I don't know if it's music rights or what's going on there. But uh, that is not in this version. So we'll say that. But other than that, I didn't have a problem with the transfer. I thought it looked pretty good. It's just good to have it on Blu-ray. And uh, for that, I'm thankful. And so now uh, Ted Kotcheff is a director you and I know quite well. Uh, who uh, he did uh, quite quite a few films. Uh, I think he did North Dallas 40, and uh, you know, to name uh, one of his uh, one of his films that were, we we yeah, Billy Two Hats, and of course the original First Blood. Uh, he directed okay. this uh, film in 1982 called Split Image that's being released by Kino uh, on uh, Blu-ray for the first time, and it's one of those. Uh, Thrill. It's one of those films that were prevalent in the early 80s. I think uh, Heaven, uh, Ticket to Heaven is another one similar to this. It's about a, uh, an athlete, a high school athlete who gets caught up in a um, Karen Allen, basically gets him um, interested, uh, get, gets him to agree to uh, um, join her religious cult or whatever, and he gets uh, brainwashed, and uh, he's programmed by the leader, played by Peter Fonda. And so uh, it's it's an interesting movie. Uh, Brian Dennehy is the anguished father, and he pays James Woods to who is a deprogrammer to go out and get his son and get and uh, get that to wash that mess right out of his head, <laughs> as it were. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's uh, it's interesting. And so Brian Dennehy doesn't like some of James Woods' tactics, and they come to, almost come to blows, and it's, it gets really interesting. There's a lot of melodrama going on during the last half. It's an interesting film um, with that cast. Elizabeth Ashley also in this, playing the mother of uh, Michael O'Keefe. So uh, this was a film I was I, I was aware of the title, had never seen it. Uh, I enjoyed it well enough, and it's a good transfer. And the audio commentary is by Daniel Creamer. Uh, so uh, split image from 1982, and the features music by Bill Conti of Rocky fame, of course. Run silent, run deep is one of the great. 
submarine films, and it's also notable for the teaming of Clark Gable and Burt Lancaster. Uh, it's a World War II adventure thriller, um, you know, and uh, it's uh, another good transfer. This is another MGM title. Uh, 1958 was the release year, and a new commentary by Steve Mitchell and Combat Films American Realism author Stephen J. Rubin. The theatrical trailer uh, shot um, in, um, trying to find out who it is, uh, Russell Harlan photographed this, yes, and the music is by Franz Waxman, who did you know quite a few of the Billy Wilder films, and uh, it's um, you know uh, also co-stars Jack Warden and Don Rickles. And again, directed by Robert Wise, just to show how versatile he really was. So, yes. anyway, so this next one ties into something that uh, wasn't, uh, they obviously couldn't have known this was going to uh, happen, but uh, The Russians Are Coming, The Russians Are Coming from 1966. It's been issued before, uh, they have reissued it with a new slipcase and a commentary by Michael Schlesinger and Mark Evanier. Uh, and a featurette with the late director Norman Jewison. We lost Norman Jewison last month, uh, and this was his. Uh, I think this was the film that kind of put him on the map. I mean, he'd been a television director, and but hadn't really been much of a big screen director until uh, he did The Russians Are Coming. Of course, we lost Alan Arkin last year, and um, and uh, now we've lost the director of this film, and he was just a really uh, solid director who crafted some really good films, and so this was this ironically was released around the same time as his passing. So, have you seen The Russians Are Coming? And uh, I know you're an Alan Arkin fan, as you and I have discussed offline many times. Yeah. So I'm curious yes. to know what your thoughts are about The oh, Russians Are Coming. Th this is a movie that everybody should see. Yes. And, you know, we're, we're always talking about 70s era movies, and when I think of iconic movies, and mm -hmm. Now, maybe ones that aren't mentioned as as much as they should be. This is definitely one of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, and and it's it's now sort of sad to think about watching it because of those two losses, because of how important you know these two people are to this film. And now I feel a little sad about watching it, but I want to see it again very very soon. Yeah, it, it, it does have its charms, for sure. And you can see why it was the film that made a star out of Alan Arkin, uh, you know, and it led to, I think, the next year, his uh, Wait Until Dark, you know, where he plays the villain, famously, mm -hmm. in 67. And, of course, I love, love, love that. Uh, he does such a great chilling turn in that film. So this was the one that paved the way for his uh, his career that we all know and love. And the cast, I think there's only one member of the cast still alive, and that's Eva Marie Saint. Uh, the rest oh, of them are all gone, which is sad. Wow, yeah, that is very sad. But I, I love that this is – if this is the picture we're considering brought Alan Arkin and Norman Jewison into the mainstream, I love that about it. It It's the perfect one to do that. It's not like an accidental thing. This You're is right. one – it shows – what these people can do, what you know, the range and and what they can do in the movies and Absolutely. on television. <laughs> yes, good point, excellent point. I couldn't have said it better. And of course, the next year, Norman Jewison uh, did In the Heat of the Night. So you know, he was on to bigger and bigger things oh, as well. Goodness. So uh, yep. yeah, that was um, so. Anyway, a great filmmaker, and uh, it's funny how things kind of tie in together. Because Norma Jewison produced the first film uh, of this director who 
that we're going to talk about next. That was Hal Ashby, who directed uh, Coming Home, which is also getting reissued by Kino Lorber. And this was uh, obviously an Oscar winner for uh, Best Actor, Best Actress, John Voight, Jane Fonda, Best Original Screenplay. Um, you know, we were coming out of the Vietnam War in the late 70s, and uh, that was the year that we had several competing Vietnam War films, Boys and Company C, and The Deer Hunter, and, um, oh, uh, what is the other one? There's another one there. Uh, uh, there's the one with Burt Lancaster. Uh, Go Tell the Spartans. That's it. Yeah, so we had... Oh, right, right. Yeah, so there's a whole... just like four of them in one year. But Coming Home was um, kind of the anti-Vietnam film that uh, really examined what was going on at home in a way that had never been done before. And it's such a uh, very uh, tenderly made... uh, It's full of tender scenes and just, um, you know, but also there's a sense of underlying anger about what's going on. Of course, Bruce Dern is the husband... Uh, of Jane Fonda, he gets sent overseas, and he uh, finds out, uh, he hires a private detective, he suspects his wife may be having an affair, and she does, she she volunteers uh, at, to work at home during the war uh, while it's going on overseas, and she becomes romantically entangled with John Voight, and they have a very, very tender love scene that is just beautifully done, uh, and um, Bruce Dern, of course, uh, he has uh, well i don't want to say too much about it i don't want to be a, the, the guy who spoils things but it's a so very very good movie uh audio commentary here uh by john boyt and bruce dern and the cinematographer haskell wexler and uh, wow. coming back home featurette uh hal ashby a man out of time featurette so uh, yeah if you haven't seen coming home it's a uh, certainly a an an essential film of the 1970s, as and as I said, uh, Norman Jewison was the producer of The Landlord, which was Hal Ashby's first film, which is another great film that Kino Lorber put out several years ago. Uh, I rewatched the The Landlord when it came out, and I was just amazed at how much I enjoyed it uh, after all these years not having seen it, and it really holds up. So. Uh, so uh, coming home, I rewatched that and just really was uh, touched and moved and uh, all that stuff. And it's uh, there's a new slipcase in this new uh, reissue by Kino Lorber as well. So anyway, The Devil's Brigade, directed by Andrew McLaughlin. Uh, that's William Holden, Cliff Robertson, Vince Edwards, Dana Andrews, Claude Aikens, uh, Jack Watson, Richard Dawson, Carol O'Connor. <laughs> Do I need to go on? Is Luke Askew, Michael <laughs> Rennie from The Day the Earth Stood Still? I mean, what a cast, right? Uh, this is pretty pretty amazing. Um, it's uh, you know it's a, a World War II saga based on the true story of the first Special Service Force, and uh, you get a new commentary by Steve Mitchell and Stephen J. Rubin in the trailer. And then uh, we'll move along to uh, Kindergarten Cop, getting its first 4K Ultra HD release, directed by Ivan Reitman, of course, Arnold Schwarzenegger in this, and Penelope Ann Miller, and Pamela Reed, and Richard Tyson. (laughs) When was the last time we saw Richard Tyson in a film? It's been a while. Uh, Carol Baker, Kathy Moriarty. Uh, Yeah, I remember seeing this in the theater, and I don't think I've seen it since. I liked it well enough then, but just didn't feel the need to go back and... Uh, run out and go see it again 
but I'd be up for watching it again. You know, uh, Arnold did quite a few comedies with uh, Ivan Reitman. They seemed to have a good uh, team. Uh, they, they made a good comedic teaming, I think, in terms of the, their films that they, were, that they did together. So I, I don't know what your thoughts are on Kindergarten Cop. I'd be curious. Um, I think I have much the same, you know, so when it came out, it's very popular, you know, yeah. people to see it. It does, you know, you don't think of comedy, Schwarzenegger for like one-liners in movies, yes. but it showed he has this, this ability to do it. And this is one of the films that showed that ability. Yeah. Yeah, it did. And, um, like I said, I, I, I'm sitting here thinking. I thought I saw that film in the fall of 1990 around around Christmas time. I thought, geez, it's been 33 years since I saw that movie. Wow, I just didn't see. It. And, and I even remember going to the movies to see it, and there was a uh, a teaser trailer for Backdraft. I remember because they were both Universal productions, and so I remember seeing that teaser for Backdraft and thinking, wow, this looks like a great movie. <laughs> So uh, now that's a memory. You have a good memory of remembering trailers from movies. <laughs> I do. I remember that was the first uh, time I became aware of Backdraft and just seeing it and being wowed by that teaser. And yeah, it's funny. I can remember going back to 19 February of 77 when I saw King Kong for the first time, which is 47 years ago this month, which is, I don't want to think about that. <laughs> oh, I know, right? But I remember seeing the trailer for The Town That Dreaded Sundown uh, in that film, the Charles B. Pierce film about the uh, the hooded killer that uh, was never found who went on a killing spree in Texarkana, uh, wow. Arkansas. And I remember that trailer. I was six years old at the time, and I remember sitting there, and the trailer's pretty scary anyway. And then at the end of the trailer, they say, he was never found. And so <laughs> I'm sitting there in my oh. seat. I'm six years old, and I'm thinking, he could be outside. He could. He, oh, he, okay. He, he may be wondering. I thought it was somewhere. a spoiler alert there for a second. <laughs> so I just remember being terrified before King Kong even started. I remember being terrified <laughs> by this trailer, and uh, so that's how far back I can remember trailers. Is I can remember the the uh, the trailer for the. And I mean, it scared the bejesus out of me. It really did. I'm not kidding. Uh, so I'm um, impressed. I'm really impressed with that. Yeah. So, and I proudly have a Blu-ray copy of the te- of the uh, the town that dreaded sundown. It's funny. And the film is, you know, it's not quite as effective as that trailer was, but it's it's it has its moments. It's uh, it's it's not a terrible film by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, there are some parts in it that are a little amateurish because Charles B. Pierce could could do that, you know, but. Uh, he wasn't the most, uh, you know, the, the he, he's he's definitely no Scorsese or Spielberg, but you know, he there are some things that he knows to affect how to effectively uh, accomplish, as he did with the Legend of Boggy Creek. So it's the same guy. So anyway, but we'll move along. Uh, oh, I will say that there are several uh, new commentaries here on the Kindergarten Cop. So anyway, now this is one that was an HBO staple. This next one, uh, I wonder if you've seen it. I would be curious. The Boogans from 1981, starring Rebecca Balding and Fred McCarran, and it was directed by James L. Conway, who did a lot of those uh, Sun Classic Pictures documentaries like uh, The Lincoln Conspiracy and In Search of Noah's Ark and The Bermuda Triangle and all those things from the late 70s. Uh, I was wondering if you ever saw The Boogans, because it used to turn up on HBO quite a bit when I was uh, a young lad in the early 80s. 
Are you still there? Yeah. Oh, oh I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I was just. Oh, I lost something I, on my I, side. I thought, no oh, problem. I was just thinking that I hadn't seen that since HBO in the 80s and haven't thought about it since either. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like a lot of times you're like, oh, I'd like to see that movie I saw decades ago. This isn't one of them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I remember Stephen King liked it. That's what kind of piqued my interest. I, he was a fan of it for some reason. And uh, so I remember seeing it and thinking, yeah, it was, you know, it's not the worst thing I've ever seen. But it's, uh, you know, and then I rewatched it a couple of years ago. I had the same reaction. I watched it, uh, this new 4K, and had the exact same reaction a third Fair, time. Okay. So. Yeah, I think it's just kind of a, you know, it's a, it would A, B, C, or D, I'd say I'd give it about a C plus, I guess, it, something like that. Yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, but I'll tell you, this transfer is terrific. This new 4K, it really, really looked great. I thought it just had the per, perfect amount of film grain in the transfer. It didn't overwhelm it, and uh, it was um, just really uh, a really good transfer, and it has an archival commentary with uh, James L. Conway, and uh, David O'Malley and uh, Rebecca Balding. And uh, I had interviewed James O'Conway a couple of years ago because I was very interested in his career making those films at Sun Classic Pictures, and he was a really good interview. Those those films are still on the list of some of the biggest grossing documentary films of all time. Uh, there and they, you know that was a time when we didn't have cable channels like the History Channel or whatever. So the only place to see these documentaries like that were they were theatrically released. And he right, was the man right. behind a lot of them. And so, uh, yeah, he was married to Rebecca Balding, he told me. They met on the set of The Boogans, and she sadly passed away uh, in 2022 of cancer, unfortunately. So uh, I'm sure when he goes back and watches the film or listens to his commentary with her, it brings back some bittersweet memories uh, because they right. seem to have a really, really good uh, relationship and they had several children and because uh, he told me he said well the one good thing that came out of the boogans was i met my wife there so uh, yeah. yeah so yes. it, it makes me i love that kind of sad when i uh, uh you know think about that but anyway um so uh yeah it's it's a terrific uh 4k scan of the 35 millimeter negative and uh so uh, there you go. So, uh, and then Monk, the complete third season is out uh, with remasters of all the uh, the episodes of the third season of Monk, uh, and uh, they're all in 4K remasters. And then Scarlet Street is a, a Fritz Lang film from 1945, getting a 4K release for the first time. He, this was a film that was uh, banned in three states, uh, so it was a little controversial when it came out. Uh, it's a new. Uh, Dolby Vision Master from a 16-bit 4K scan of the nitrate composite. Uh, and uh, so really, really good transfer here. So new audio commentaries as well. And He Walked by Night from 1948, which stars Richard Basehart, Scott Brady, the uh, brother of, um, of uh, the... Uh, oh, the actor who was in uh, Reservoir Dogs that played... Uh, I just read his biography. Uh, <laughs> the one that uh, play, plays the... Um, I'll get it. I'll get it. Uh, yeah, I'm going to find it. Yeah. I'm thinking... Yeah, I'm trying to help. Lawrence Tierney. That's it. Lawrence Tierney. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. Yes, Lawrence Tierney. Yep. Well, anyway, uh, it just was on tip. And I read his biography last year. It was terrific uh, that uh, Burt Kearns uh, has uh, written that uh, book. I'm friendly with him on Facebook as well. It's a great, great book. But anyway... 
Uh, and Scott Brady, of course, played the uh, the sheriff in uh, Gremlins, if uh, in case anybody remembers that or, or not. Anyway, He Walked by Night is a film noir, and it was an inspiration for Dragnet, which also starred Jack Webb, who's in this film, too. So uh, also a new 16-bit uh, 4K scan and new commentary by uh, Imogene Sarah Smith. So those are all of the... Um, Kino titles that uh, were released in the Those month. are some interesting Kino titles. There's like almost none that I would not want to check out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. Those are, it was a, uh, well, they, they do so, uh, such good work there. So, um, anyway, but yeah, I will uh, quickly go through the Criterion titles, the Apu trilogy, uh, that's a Satyajit Ray's milestone trilogy uh, about a free free spirited child in rural bengal who matures into an adolescent urban student and finally a sensitive man of the world uh, all these films getting a first 4k ultra hd release uh, some audio recordings of ray from 58 a video essay 1967 documentary short uh, blood simple getting a first ever 4k ultra hd release uh, no new extras. Uh, the extras that were created for the Blu-ray release are getting ported over, but uh, I hear the uh, the transfer is quite exquisite there. Uh, I'm sure you're a fan of Blood Simple. Uh, you, you know it. <laughs> <laughs> what was the first time you saw Blood Simple? What, what was your first? Because I don't remember my first time, but I'm curious about other. Oh, my God. My memory isn't quite as sharp as yours. <laughs> um, when was the first time I saw Blood Simple? I just have no memory of the first time I saw it it just that when I think of the Coens that comes right to mind you know like it may not be the one everybody thinks of but it's one of the ones I think of oh absolutely yeah I uh I remember I used to read Fangoria magazine when I was in high school and so uh Fangoria they had this segment where they would uh, review new movies on VHS tape, and Blood Simple is one of their capsule reviews, and I remember reading it, and I thought, this sounds interesting, and then lo and behold, it turned up on HBO, and so I watched it on HBO not long after that. I read that review, and boy, I was blown away. I thought, man, I just, I, it was so full of twists and turns, and I didn't know where this was going, and it was so atmospheric, and even though I was only, I think, 15 at the time, it really really got caught my attention and i it was one of those movies i immediately wanted to share with everybody that i knew i was like i would i taped it off hbo and i would shove the tape in people's hands and i would say <laughs> you gotta watch this you gotta watch. you know i was like the the uh, the street corner preacher there uh, proselytizing about blood simple you this is amazing this is <laughs> you gotta see it so um I remember even uh, I, I grew up in the Lutheran church as a kid, and so our music director, he was pretty open-minded about stuff like that. So I'd have him over every now and then for a movie, and he came over one night, and I said, I've got one for you, this movie Blood Simple, and he really was just, <laughs> he was really shocked and surprised at some of the you know, plot twists and turns as well. He loved it as much as I did. It was funny. So, but, uh, And we're still friends to this day, which is funny. Aw, yeah, that's Yeah, all these years later. So, um, yeah... So he was, um, but yeah, I knew, I took notice of film directors even back then, and I remember seeing their names, and I thought, I can't wait to see what they do next. And of course, well, they didn't, they did not disappoint us when they did Raising Arizona a couple of years later, and Miller's Crossing a couple of years after that, so, you know, and the rest is history, as they say, so. Right, absolutely. They yeah. just, they just 
it's a it's one of those pictures that you just go sort of like wh- how we were referring to Norman Jewison earlier um yeah. it's it's a great clarion call this is what we have to offer you and you know i love how it didn't it's not always the same thing but the sort of the power of the message or of the picture is the, is always there and that's what they gave us like we're going to you're going to want to watch us no matter what it is like it love it detest it you're yes. going to want to see every single thing we do absolutely i couldn't have said it better yeah that's uh they they make you uh, you know stand at attention when you and i i hope that they're going to do another film uh, I don't know. They kind of went their separate ways there for a little bit. They were doing separate projects, and so I hope that at some point they'll come back and that, that they've not that the curtain has not been lowered on their film career. I hope that's not. The I case. sure hope so. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, so uh, John Sayles' 1996 film uh, Lone Star has been issued for the first time on 4K and features a new conversation between John Sayles and filmmaker Gregory Nava. And the director of photography of the film, uh, it's a sprawling neo-Western mystery about an investigation that uncovers the haunted, racially violent past of a small Texas border town. Chris Christopherson, Matthew McConaughey, uh, do you have any thoughts on Lone Star out of curiosity? Um, I, I haven't seen it in so long. I just know that when I saw it, it was very striking, you know, uh-huh. like it sort of brought you in and and that's what I remember about it how striking it was yeah yeah yeah, same here yeah it's uh you know either you respond to john sales films or you don't and some people don't i i saw some a couple people on letterbox were giving it bad reviews and they just you know i don't know that you 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 know some people just don't get his uh, what he does i do i appreciate it so um anyway but uh yeah um so Lone Star is out there for the first time ever uh, on 4K. Chantal Ackerman's Masterpieces, 1968 to 78, is a box set of the Chantal Ackerman, uh, Sauté Maville, La Infant. Um, I'm not even going to try to pronounce these. La Chambre, <laughs> uh, Hotel Monterey, Lay 15 slash 8. I'll try uh, with the ones I can't pronounce. John Dealman is the one, of course, and News from Home. And uh, John Dealman is the one that uh, caused a big stir last year when it made the AFI list of uh, at the top of the list. It, uh, you know, a lot of controversy there. So I don't know. I have seen John Dealman, and uh, it is, you know, I get what she was going for. You know, she's trying to lull you into a sense of complacency and then, you know, shock you at the last during the last ten minutes of the film. Uh, you know, because you're not prepared emotionally for it, but it's a long sit for three hours just to get to the 10 minute punchline at the end. It's uh it's uh, I get it. I understand what she was doing, uh, but um, can't say it's quite for me. And I don't have any desire to return to that, but uh, nevertheless, uh, Mudbound is writer, director D Rees a story about an American tragedy about two families in the forties, Mississippi Delta one of white landholders and one of black tenant farmers. This got a lot of awards chatter back in, I don't know that it won anything, I can't remember, 2017, new audio commentary with Rees, new documentaries, uh, interviews per, uh, with the production designer, director of photography, but Mudbound uh, from 2017 getting, I think this may be the first disc release because I think it was a, stri- uh, a Netflix production, I believe. Um, 
anyway, uh, and train spotting is the last, but is last but not least on the Criterion list. Uh, Jolt of Adrenaline to the Heart of 1990s British Cinema, Danny Boyle's second film, adaptation of Irvine Welsh's novel about the life and times of a heroin addict and his misfit mates. And there's its first time ever on 4K. Uh, I think there uh, this was a Criterion Laserdisc many, many years ago. Uh, and I think they may have ported over some of their old Laserdisc bonus materials because they owned the rights to those. And uh, there's audio commentary with Boyle. And, uh, you know, I think there may be a few new things here. There's also reflections from the soundtrack artist. But it was a it was a, a trend-setting uh, soundtrack. I mean, you know, Lust for Life that opens the film uh, by Iggy Pop has, uh, you know, it permeated the culture in a major way when this film came out. Uh, you know, used in a lot of commercials and such. So, yeah, so Train Spotting was... Uh, I love it. I think Train Spotting is terrific. I like the sequel too. I think it's a good follow-up uh, that was that came out about oh I don't know seven or eight years ago, something like that. But uh, I don't know what your thoughts are on Train Spotting, but I would be curious. I, I feel like we're we're running sort of a theme in this show of movies that bring artists to the public, and yes. this was like did this for Danny Boyle, and I haven't I sort of haven't seen it in a while, but. It's another movie where you remember, like, what you felt when you first saw it. Oh, yeah. You know, and how shocking it was and how disgusting that bathroom was. And you, like, <laughs> you remember the, you know, the details of how you saw it, with, like Pulp Fiction, yes. as we mentioned earlier. And, and you remember the experience of watching the movie, which is an incredible thing for a movie to do. Oh yeah, it's uh, he he's uh, he was uh, really if he hadn't proved himself on Shallow Grave, he certainly proved himself with Train Spotting, and he has. Uh, I love Shallow Grave. I'm, I do too. Uh, one of, that's like you were talking about Blood Simple. That's mm -hmm. one of those movies I would say you must see Shallow Grave. You know. Yeah, I'm I'm actually as we're recording this, I'm looking at my shelf and it's uh, Criterion. I just recently picked it up because I didn't get a review copy of it, so I. I found a used copy of it, uh, Criterion Blu-ray, and picked it up about a month ago, and I, I keep thinking I'll pull it off the shelf and go back and rewatch it. I need to, need to do that. Need to make that happen. So. Yeah, yeah, you need to make that happen. Yeah, it's been a well, while. That, yeah, that movie is the one that brought him to our attention, but mm -hmm. Train Spotting is the one that sort of gave him this global sort of significance. Mm -hmm. But I hope when people saw Train Spotting that they went back and said i gotta see shallow grave because that is that's an incredible movie that again doesn't get enough you know doesn't get enough love by you know in in my opinion yeah yeah right i uh, I, I would agree yeah it tends to get overlooked uh, overshadowed by some of his other films on his resume you're right so uh well, The Facts of Murder is a 1959 film getting a uh, release from Radiance, which is a fairly new label. Um, and this is uh, about a police detective and his team attempting to solve two crimes committed within a day of each other. It's, uh, uh, I think it's an Italian film. Pietro Germi is the director. Or maybe it's French. I'm not sure. But uh, anyway, um, getting pretty good. I got my review copy. I didn't get a chance to, to look at it, to be quite honest. But... Um, um, yeah, it's getting a, a pretty pretty good reviews here. Radiance Films, like I said, doing pretty good work uh, with uh, the stuff they're putting out there. 
but uh, the facts of murder from 1959 arrow video has released this box set of these uh there's this uh character uh, called coffin joe there was a series of films uh based on uh, what that revolve around this character uh, and they've collected them all in a box set called inside the mind of coffin joe and uh, there's at midnight i'll take your soul this night i'll possess your corpse the strange world of coffin joe awakening <laughs> of the beast those are a few uh but um yeah this is um uh just the, these are cult films at their uh, at their most extreme and um at their cultiest a, yes exactly <laughs> he's a brazilian character is is what he is uh, but yeah, I uh, these these films were made. Uh, there's quite a, a, a time span made between 1964 and 2008. There's 11 of them in all. So, uh, but yeah, these these films are um, are uh, quite interesting. I've heard. So, anyway, the uh, the picture quality is uh, is quite good on these. I'm I'm hearing, and uh, there are quite a few extras uh, for anybody who's a fan. So uh, there's uh, supplements on each film, and as I said, there are 11 films in the set. So Inside the Mind of Coffin Joe, uh, getting a release from uh, Arrow Video, and uh, the animated film Trolls Band Together uh, has been issued in 4K from Universal. I don't know what else to say about that. I, not much I can, because I didn't see it, but um, <laughs> if you're a fan, <laughs> yeah. Chopper from 2000. Uh, this is uh, uh, a Scream Factory, a Shout Factory release, rather. It's one of their Shout Select line of titles, directed by Andrew Dominic, who would go on to uh, do uh, several films. He did the Marilyn Monroe film a couple of years ago. And the assassination of Jesse James, uh, or uh, the, uh, Killing Me Softly, I think was his other film. So, yeah, he, he has a following, as they say. Eric Bana in this. And it's uh, about a legendary criminal who wrote his autobiography while serving a jail sentence. I never got around to seeing Chopper, so I can't really comment. And I didn't get a review copy of it. But um, it was obviously good enough to give Andrew Dominic a career, so uh, there must be something going on there. Uh, Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story has been issued on Blu-ray with two cuts of the film. This is a Mill Creek Entertainment release. And... Uh, Again, it's a parody of these uh, rock rock documentaries or whatever, uh, rock biopics, I guess you would say. So, mockumentaries or something like that. Yeah. Well, uh, I know uh, um, I'm not a big fan of that movie, but I work with people who are huge fans of those movie <laughs> that movie, and so I'll say that anybody who really loves that movie loves that movie and uh. quotes, it, quotes it all the time and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's uh, it does have its following, that's for sure. Uh, the Raid Redemption is the uh, the sequel to The Raid, obviously. this uh, I think The Raid has already been issued in 4K. Well, The Raid Redemption got its 4K release. That's a, uh, a um, Sony uh, release, Sony Pictures, uh, Home Entertainment, whatever. Uh, Blood Feast, the remake of Blood Feast, has been issued by Synapse Films. Uh, includes the original uncut version of the film, Indiegogo promotional teaser, the trailer, music video. Uh, the original Herschel Gordon Lewis film, of course, is one of the uh, classic gore films of the 60s. And so there was this was remade in um, 
I believe it was uh, 2016, I think it was. I think that was the year of, uh, yeah, 2016. So uh, just to double check and make sure I had my information correct. But uh, Blood Feast, if you're a fan of the remake, uh, it has been issued by Synapse in 4K. And um, well, let's see, just moving along here, we're getting uh, down towards the end of the month, believe it or not. We're to January 23rd. And we had Thinner, Stephen King's Thinner, which was um, this uh, was directed by Todd Ho Tom Holland, who did, of course, Fright Night and the original Child's Play. And this uh, is a new Blu-ray edition, courtesy of Scream Factory. It includes a new audio commentary uh, with Joe Mantagna, who's in the film, a, a new commentary with uh, Lee Gambin, whom I mentioned earlier, and the... Uh, a uh, new interview with Tom Holland and uh, a thing, uh, featurettes on the makeup effects and all that stuff. Uh, it's basically about a, a Robert John Burke plays a lawyer. He's a rotund lawyer, shall we say, and he gets he gets cursed by a, a gypsy, uh, and his curse is that he will keep losing weight until there's nothing left of him, essentially. So uh, it's uh, like I said, based on a Stephen King book, uh, or as he was writing, his Richard Bachman rather. But uh, I, I don't think it's the worst. You know, it kind of got bad word of mouth. I saw it in the theater. had not seen it in about 30 years since it came out. And I I, th I think it's uh, it's okay for what it is. It's, you know, you, I've done, you could certainly do worse with Stephen King adaptations. And I could probably name a half a dozen without even thinking about them. Uh, <laughs> but uh, there's some pretty bad ones out there. But this one's, uh, you know, it's okay. Uh, it's, it's definitely uh, watchable. So... Anyway, so uh, Varsity Blues is uh, actually I just I think I overlooked a couple of titles here, so we'll I went to got to go back to January 9th and catch a couple of these I missed. Uh, Varsity Blues uh, from Paramount uh, is a first time 4K release of this one from uh, 1999, starring James Van Der Beek as a uh, football star who's dealing with all the uh, the problems that uh, come along with. Uh, athletic star, uh, athletic um, uh, celebrity, I guess you would say. Uh, it's a commentary with the director of the film and um, several featurettes there. So, yeah, this uh, uh, also stars John Voight. We were talking about him earlier. So, uh, yeah, and this was uh, James Vanderbeek when he was at his, uh, uh, you know, his Dawson's Creek. His, his Vanderbeekiest. Right, there you go. That's it. Good way to put it. Uh, so the original Old Boy has been issued in 4K. There's a 4K upgrade on that. And um, that is uh, the label issuing that is a decal releasing. But this got a theatrical release last fall. I know one of our local theaters played it. I didn't get a chance to catch it in the theater. But uh, two uh, Charles Bronson films are getting uh, special editions courtesy of uh, Shout Factory Telephon. Or is it telephone? I never could. I wasn't sure whether. It's, I always thought it was telephone. I did too, but I've heard it pronounced various ways. I, I'm going with telephone. But anyway, the Charles Bronson 1977 thriller uh, and Saint Ives from 1976. Those are both getting special editions, separate, of course, from Shout Factory. And Eddie Murphy Raw. How about that? The uh, concert film. Starring Eddie Murphy uh, with a lot of material that couldn't be uh, 
that would definitely get you canceled today. Uh, let's put it that way. <laughs> All the maybe, right. maybe not. Maybe now that it's a few years down the road, maybe it would be tame. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You, you may have a point. Uh, but yeah, this was, um, you know, directed by Robert Townsend, who the previous year had done uh, The Hollywood Shuffle, which is a, a sketch film, you know, that he, he had done. And so, uh, you know, uh, I I like Eddie, Mur- Eddie Murphy Raw. I mean, there are, you know, it, it, it maybe goes on a little too long, but uh, there are some, some um, interesting observations that he has, and some of them are quite funny. And, of course, the opening sequence that shows him, there's a sketch at the beginning of the film that depicts him as a child telling jokes to his family. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that was written by Keenan Ivory Wayans, that, uh, that sketch that appears oh, in nice. the film. So, yeah, it's good. Uh, it's good. So, so, yeah, solid. so are you saying you'd prefer Eddie Murphy rare or medium rare to Eddie <laughs> Murphy raw? Yeah, let's go with rare. <laughs> Slightly cooked. <laughs> yeah, good point. Okay, well, uh, so let's see. I'll make sure I haven't missed anything from December or January 9th that I overlooked earlier, but I, I think that's it. I think I think we're back to where we were before uh, on January the 23rd. Okay, uh, Jennifer 8 was another Shout Factory release, or is this Scream Factory? It's a Scream Factory, part of the Scream Factory line of titles. I remember seeing this in a theater in the fall of 1992, and it's basically about a serial killer, and and his eighth victim is Jennifer, played by Uma Thurman, and she's a blind cellist. And Andy Garcia is the detective trying to stop the killer before he he uh, gets to Uma Thurman and uh, getting romantic, romantically entangled, as it were. John Malkovich is the uh, killer. And uh, this was directed by Bruce Robinson, who had also previously done With Nail and I and How to Get Ahead in Advertising. With Nail and I, of course, is a, a, pop, a very culty film, a large cult following there. This uh, new special edition actually has two cuts of the film. Uh, there's a never-before-seen uh, ending here. And I had heard there was some studio meddling with this film, so I'm really curious to see the alternate cut of the film. I'm definitely going to... I didn't get this until very late last week, so I didn't get a chance to see it. But I think it's going to be the film I watched to, uh, today, as it were. I'm going to try to squeeze it in. So uh, Jennifer 8, did you uh, did you ever see Jennifer 8? Or did you... I am... I did see Jennifer 8, and my problem is I confused Jennifer 8 with Blink. Right, which was yes. the Aiden Quinn, Madeline Stowe movie, and so I'm not not sure which plot points come from which yes. movies, um, but it it's from that particular era where era where the movies are watchable, but not something you're going to visit tremendously over and over again, but definitely definitely worthy of your time. Yep, yep. Yeah, I, I thought Jennifer Eight was okay. I, I, I thought I was expecting it to be a little bit better than it was, quite frankly. But um, but I will be curious to see the alternate cut, and maybe that will improve upon the film. But uh, I never disliked it. Let's put it that way. I thought it was serviceable, I guess, is a good way to put it. So so uh, there's a new uh, double feature from Cohen Media releasing, The Sea Shall Not Have Them, and Albert R.N. It's a... Uh, Two British wartime classics directed by Lewis Gilbert, who went on to do some of the James Bond films. 
and these are from 1953 and 1954. The Triplets of Belleville, the, uh, I think this was, it either won an Academy Award or was nominated from 2003 for Best Animated Film. I can't remember if it won or not. It's been a long time. But uh, anyway, it's a French French film, French animated film, Triplets of Belleville. I remember watching it when it came out, and I, I wasn't as overwhelmed by it, by it as everyone else seemed to be, but maybe I would feel differently now, so I would like to uh, revisit it hopefully soon. Uh, and we're getting down to the nitty-gritty nitty here, as it were, January 30th. We're at the end of the month. We have the Conan Chronicles, which is the first 4K issue of the two Conan films, uh, Conan the Barbarian and Conan the Destroyer from 1982 and 1984. And I always thought it was sad that they didn't keep going after Conan the Destroyer but because uh, there was so much material they could have mined, but they didn't. But uh, the uh, Conan the Barbarian was really the film that that gave us the Arnold Schwarzenegger we know we we would later know through the 80s and kind of helped define his cinematic presence. I mean, he had made films before this, but it wasn't this was the one that kind of put him on the map. And it's directed by John Milius, the original, and the second one was directed by the uh, the legendary Richard Fleischer. And if we uh, recited his career, we would be here all afternoon because he made so many <laughs> films that just. It's, that guy's resume is amazing, but that's a whole other thing. Uh, but yeah, there's uh, lots of new bonus material here, new featurettes, new commentaries, new uh, documentaries. There's three cuts of Conan the Barbarian uh, on this disc, believe it or not. There's an international cut and a, uh, I think maybe a director's cut and theatrical. And so it's uh, if you are a fan of the Conan films, this set is um, is quite a welcome addition to the 4K uh, on 4K, so um, that's an Arrow video release, and Eli Roth's Thanksgiving, uh, which came out last fall, I did see this in a theater, and it was, you know, typical Eli Roth, uh, you know, not quite as good as some of his other films, and not, uh, you know, it was, it was okay, I, it wasn't quite as... Um, Quite as good as some of the other ones that I, I have. I've enjoyed some of his other ones. Knock Knock, I really enjoyed with Keanu Reeves. I thought that was uh, very well done. And uh, The Green Inferno was, uh, you know, I, I have to admit I enjoyed that one as well. But and I enjoyed both of those more than I did Thanksgiving. Although Thanksgiving has some some uh, interesting kills in it for sure, uh, and it's based on a trailer that originally appeared in the Grindhouse film at the beginning of the film. So. Uh, fake trailer, and they expanded it into a uh, in a film into a feature film, just like they did with Machete. So uh, same same concept. So the Psychic from 1977 is a Severin Films release. This stars Jennifer O'Neill, and um, it's directed by Lucio Fulci, and it's about a clairvo clairvoyant woman. And uh, who finds a skeleton in her husband's, her late husband's home, and uh, tries to find out the truth about the per who the person was, who put her there, yada yada yada. So I uh, never saw this, but you know I know there are big fans of Lucio Fulci, the Italian horror film director. So uh, you know maybe sometime. Uh, speaking of Madeline Stowe, it's funny how it all comes back. You know the, all these things tie together. <laughs> how about Unlawful Entry from 1992? Uh, did you uh, see that? I saw that in the theater and saw it right after Ray Liotta's passing. I went back and revisited it. First time ever Blu-ray release, by the way. Limited edition of 1,600 
copies. I think that they pressed for this release. It's a Shout or maybe Screen Factory release. Uh, and, and the good news here is this is a 20th Century Fox title, uh, although it may be, now that I'm thinking about it, it might be one of those Morgan Creek productions. So if it is, then it's not, uh, I think the, the rights to Morgan Creek stuff have reverted uh, to another company, but I was going to say I, originally it was a Fox release, and maybe that gives us hope that the Fox titles that Disney have been sitting on will will, will be getting issued. But now, now that I'm thinking about it, it may be Morgan Creek. I'm not sure, but anyway, nevertheless, Unlawful Entry <laughs> is getting a Blu-ray release in a limited edition. And I like this film; it's a solid uh, thriller of its type. Uh, I don't know what your feelings are, but uh, I don't I don't remember it. I yeah. saw it way back in the day. I have no recollection so clearly right writing down here have to revisit that movie mm-hmm. yep it's uh it, it gets the job done as the old saying goes so uh, i uh <laughs> i i would recommend going back to revisit it it's worth your time uh so red rock west this is one of my favorite films of the early 90s directed by john Dahl, uh, starring nicholas cage and the great jt walsh and uh, I love this film. I This was a film that was uh, actually dumped onto HBO unceremoniously, and it was so well received that they actually took it off of HBO and put it in theaters and gave it a theatrical release, and as they should have. Uh, and The Last Seduction was the same director. They did the same thing to that film, dumping it on HBO and then giving it a theatrical release the following year. So these are like a neo-noir, I guess you would call uh, the, it's, as far as the type of film it is, Nicholas Cage comes to town. He's looking for a job. Walks into a bar. There's a you know a sign that says "Help Wanted." He says, "I'm here for the job," and he's mistaken by J.T. Walsh as the man he's hired to kill his wife. So he says, "Oh, you're here for the job. Well, here's the cash and go to her house and take her out." <laughs> well, he's actually there for the job as the bartender, not to kill the guy's wife. And so it's all these twists and turns. And if you haven't seen it, the less said, the better. It's it's just a delicious. Uh, uh, thriller that also stars Dennis Hopper uh, at his Dennis Hoppiest. <laughs> Hopper, <laughs> Hopperist, I guess you'd Hop- say. Hopperiest. Yeah. Hopperiest. Yeah, he's doing, he's doing uh, what he does best, for sure. So uh, it's uh, Laura Flynn Boyle, Boyle is the uh, the wife of uh, J.T. Walsh, who he's wanting dispatched. And so it's, it's a lot of just interesting twists and turns. But it's one of these films where you have to suspend your disbelief because it's one of these movies where everything has to fall in place at the exact same time. Uh, otherwise, the, the entire plot would completely disintegrate. So it's one of those things. But anyway, Red Rock West getting its first uh, domestic Blu-ray release on uh, Vinegar Syndrome in a new uh, media book. So uh, and there you are with that. Uh, the latest John Woo film, Silent Night, which was released in December, uh, made its way to Blu-ray. I think that's a Lionsgate release. And uh, the um, a couple of Warner Archive titles here that we have. Uh, the March Brothers film, A Day at the Races, uh, was their second film at MGM. A lot of people are more uh, appreciate the films that the March Brothers did at Paramount more so than MGM. I'm kind of in that camp. I think there was more anarchy, and uh, they were just generally funnier. When they were at Paramount, they were kind of uh, left to their own devices, whereas... The MGM films, they stop uh, for these musical sequences. Uh, Alan, um, uh, uh, that's, uh, Alan Jones, the, who was the father of Jack Jones, who sang the theme from The Love Boat. He was the uh, 
a rising star at MGM. So he's in a he's in this and the previous film, A Night at the Opera, and uh, so it stops dead cold for him to do his musical number. And so uh, that those kind of things hurt the film. It's an hour and fifty one minutes versus the uh, the Paramount films, which typically ran just barely an hour. Uh, so so it's a lot longer than uh, than yeah, the other Marx Brothers uh, films that were made at the at the other studio but nevertheless it has its moments uh there's some amusing uh, mo- you know m- amusing moments that you would expect from a marx brothers film and uh, there's tons of extras here on this commentary by the marx brothers encyclopedia author glenn mitchell uh, making of featurettes uh mgm cartoons audio only treasures of groucho uh, performing dr hackenbush which was written for the film but not used uh you know those sort of things um so yeah a day at the race getting a welcome blu-ray release uh, rover dangerfield the animated film starring the voice talent of course uh, of uh, rodney dangerfield this was originally conceived as an r-rated film developed by rodney and harold ramus and then the the folks at warner brothers who were running the studio at the time decided they wanted to go in a more kid-friendly direction so they had uh, Rodney tame the uh, the jokes down to make them more family-friendly, shall we say. And the screenplay is credited to Rodney. And the animation is done by the same folks who did The uh, the Brave Little Toaster uh, a couple of years before that. But this film, I don't even think it made a million dollars. I think it made several hundred thousand, and it was quickly forgotten uh, in 1991. And I think if they'd gone the R-rated route uh, as an animated film, it would have been much... Uh, I think it would have found its audience, but uh, it just kind of landed with a thud. But it does have a following, and um, the animation is good. Uh, this is a new restoration. Uh, special features include several Warner Brothers cartoons, a theatrical trailer. I don't know that this has ever been available in anything but the old Snapper Case Warner Brothers DVD that was a 4 by 3 transfer. Uh, so it's good to get a Blu-ray widescreen proper release of this and the same goes for the next film, which I am a big fan of, Joe's Apartment, starring Jerry O'Connell and Megan Ward and um, featuring music by Carter Burwell, who did the music for Blood Simple that we talked about earlier. <laughs> yes. And so it ties it ties back. This is based on an MTV short, of course, about a man who moves to the big city and finds that his, uh, his apartment's infested with roaches, but uh, they expanded it into a feature film, and I think it may have been the first film for MTV Pictures. Uh, but I really, this again, didn't get, did not get very good reviews when it came out, but I remember catching it on, on HBO and I laughed very hard. Uh, there's, uh, there's a, there's a Busby Berkeley type, uh, dance sequence that is a choreographed dance sequence that's set inside of a toilet bowl with these cockroaches singing and dancing that just, I don't know, it's, it's lowbrow humor for sure. But man, did it hit my sweet spot and make me laugh a lot. And when I laugh, uh, you know, that's really all that matters. And so Joe's Apartment, I've wanted a good Blu-ray version of this for years. And I'm so glad that they, I couldn't believe it when I saw it was coming out. I was shocked. I was like, Joe's Apartment, you're kidding. I thought I was the only person on the planet who liked that. But anyway, um, so Cabin in the Sky. Oh, by the way, did you ever see Joe's Apartment? I have to ask that, so. No, no, I don't. I I remember the fact of Joe's apartment, but I don't remember if I even saw it. Well, I would recommend you seeking it out if you can, because I think you'll I think you'll laugh quite a bit. 
Okay. I think you, it will tickle your funny bone, I believe, because I, I kind of sort of know what, what, what your sense of humor is. We share uh, we share <laughs> a very similar sense of humor, so I have a I have a uh, I have a, a feeling that you will respond. So. Anyway, uh, yeah, Cutting Class from 1989, which I never did see, but that has been issued on 4K by MVD uh, as one of their titles. And a couple of uh, Warner Archive titles here, Cabin in the Sky, the musical from 1943 that stars Ethel Waters, Eddie Rochester Anderson, Lena Horne. And uh, this features an audio commentary by Eddie Rochester Anderson's children. Um, and... Uh, there's audio excerpt, interview excerpts with Lena Horne, uh, audio only bonus with uh, Louis Armstrong, and it's uh, you know, it's obviously based on the Broadway musical, and it's the story of a uh, a uh, rascally little Joe torn between the love of his devoted wife Petunia and the wiles of good time bad girl Georgia Brown. So uh, it's one of those musicals that just about everybody seems to be fond of. And it's been, uh, you know, it's been needing a Blu-ray uh, reissue, and so thankfully the good folks at Warner Archives did that. Cabin in the Sky, 1943, and um, just a couple other Warner Archive titles. We'll run through these real fast. Faithless from 1932. It's a uh, pre-code uh, drama with Tallulah Bankhead, and uh, let's see, there uh, are just a few other. Prince and the Pauper from 1937. That's another Warner Archive title. Errol Flynn starring in this. And um, that might do it for the uh, Warner Archive titles for the month. There may be one. It seems like I'm missing one more, but maybe maybe not. But I will uh, end things with this. And I'll be curious to see if you remember this one. Another HBO staple. Strange Invaders from 1983 starring... Paul Lamatt, Nancy Allen, Diana Scarwood, Michael Lerner, Louise Fletcher. And this was about alien invaders from the 50s, uh, in the 1950s, who uh, take over the inhabitants of a town. And then about 30 years later, Paul Lamatt is a, a reporter investigating the, or he's actually his wife is kidnapped, and, or disappears rather, and he, or ex-wife, and he tries to find out what happened to her. And uh, Nancy Allen is the reporter who knows a little something about this. And, uh, you know, it's, it's it's okay of its type. It has uh, some amusing things going on. It's a screenplay by William Condon, who would go on to do uh, other things uh, later on, some some critically acclaimed films. Um, but uh, yeah, and it's very well filmed in Panavision. I I love the uh, cinematography in this. But yeah, it was one of these HBO staples that I had not seen in quite a quite a while, and uh, it's. It's uh, MGM has it's previously I think a Twilight Time title, but MGM has uh, the Twilight Times out of print, so MGM has done the release honors with a Blu-ray reissue of Strange Invaders from 1983. So I think that'll take care of the Blu-ray releases for the month of January. There were a few things there worth mentioning, I believe. Yeah, some good things to check out. So yep. Well, we appreciate having you on, as always, and it's always a treat to have you uh, banter it up with me, as it were, as we go through <laughs> these uh, Blu-ray disc releases. Ah, it's my pleasure. Yep, and we'll hopefully have you on again really soon in the near future, and we'll do it again. <laughs> okay, great. Thanks, Adam.